Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today, I interviewed Rivka Alfie from Shimmer and Glam on Instagram. And um, Rivka isn't a health professional, but she is somebody who has really used intuitive eating to help her live her best life. And I really wanted to interview her because she's been doing intuitive eating for a bunch of years, but she also had a sudden... Um, I guess you could say hiccup in the process because she was diagnosed with gestational diabetes when she was pregnant with her last child. And we know that some diagnoses are treated nutritionally and that could get confusing for some people because I think that there is this misconception that intuitive eating doesn't take into account nutrition. And that's really, really not true. It's probably something that is not portrayed well in social media, and it could be confusing. And I will use this time to say a disclaimer that social media isn't meant to help diagnose you, and it's not really meant to treat you. It is meant to give you some general education, but it's not a tool for treatment. And if you feel that you need more help than reading the book Intuitive Eating or seeing Intuitive Eating accounts, please seek help. There's so many people out there that are using this approach now, dietitians and therapists. Anyway, so today in this interview, I really got to pick Rifka's brain a little bit and understand how she used intuitive eating and principles of gentle nutrition to help her with managing her gestational diabetes. And I also want you to know on this note that every single person is different and every single body is different. And what I loved, one of the things that Rifka was saying is that she got to know her body through this process. She got to know which foods spiked her sugar levels and which foods didn't and that is true that different people react to foods differently and there's no denying that and that doesn't mean that we should start restricting or start demonizing food it just means that we can use nutrition and food as a form of self-care we could use getting to know our body as a form of self-care so i really enjoyed interviewing her and we are both busy mothers thank god and we did have to pause and stop and pause and stop so if you're noticing that a little bit on this episode. That's why we didn't want to just stop in the middle. We really were getting to some really important points. So if you notice that we picked up and came back and picked up and came back, that was because her baby was crying, my baby was crying, but we got the recording done. So without further ado, here is Rifka Alfie. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Rifka Alfie. Hi, Rifka. Hi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Okay, so could you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you live? What do you do? Okay, so I live in Brooklyn. Um, I'm on Instagram, a Shimmer and Glam Shop. I sell makeup as a little side hobby. And that's kind of how I stumbled into the world of intuitive eating, ironically. Um, do you want me to go into that a little bit? So I'll just say for the listeners that we met through the world of intuitive eating, right? Because yes. You were, you're like a big fan of Rena, so am I, Rena Riser. Yes. And that's how we connected, right? And then yep. on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> that was last summer, because they had, last summer, believe it or not, yeah. They have um, a woman's day that women can go swimming, and we met, and it was really fun. And I wanted to bring you on because you're such a big um, person on Instagram, like somebody who really talks about intuitive eating and has really learned to use it in your everyday life. So um, tell us, like, how did you 
what was your relationship like with food or with dieting? And then how did you, how did you learn about intuitive eating? Okay. So first of all, I, I want to just like say, um, I know that there's listeners of all, um, at all different levels, at all different points of maybe thinking about intuitive eating or, or maybe experienced. So I want to say whatever I say is really personal to me because I really feel like it's a personal journey. So um, what I might say now might have been, might be different than what I would have said a year ago. And it might, it's a constantly evolving relationship and journey. So I just want to put out that, that out there. Um, you know, when I started intuitive eating, it was really moving away from the diet culture and body shaming, you know, and now um, me personally, um, I've kind of segued more into the joyful movement um, and thinking about the gentle nutrition component because I've already did a lot of the other work. So for some people, this might apply to them in different ways. So I just wanted to like put that out there. No, that's a really um, good point because people who are stuck in diet mentality are often black and white thinkers. So, and myself included, myself included, that's why I'm still working on this always. And um, with dieting, it's like, wait, this is the rule. And like, even my clients will say, did I do it right? Did I follow the hunger fullness guy right? I'm like, no, 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 it's nothing to do with doing it right. So yes, your story is unique to you and it could help other people in their story, but that doesn't mean that everyone has to follow your journey. So very right. good. Yes. Um, so I want to say that, you know, growing up in our culture, in our, the world that we live in, um, being healthy was always synonymous with being thin, um, having, you know, good prospects. Um, Shidduch wise was always thought of as, you know, you need to be thin. Um, and that was, that's just the culture and society that I grew up in. I'm sure a lot of people also did. Um, but at some point it just felt like it was a very heavy load for me to bear. Um, you know, I did try dieting a little bit here or there. Um, and you know, at one point my sister and I did Weight Watchers together and you know, she lost, I forgot what she lost and I lost a little bit less. We have background music. You want to give me a second? So when I did the Weight Watchers, um, I told my sister, as long as she prepares the food, I'm, I'll do it with her. Now, we did the program, and I want to say that at some point, I kept on thinking like, oh, the reason I'm not losing more is because I plateaued or because like I'm pushing the system. Like, you know, they say you can have like one apple and I chose the biggest apple. So that's why I didn't lose more weight. I always blamed myself. Mm. Um, and... I also remember like as a younger girl gaining weight at a certain point, like I had, didn't have issues, but around fifth, sixth grade, like all of a sudden weight came on. Yeah. Um, and oh, by the way, like if you got your period around that time, just like, right. Which is something that I discovered literally on my own, like with my own daughter, um, about a year or two ago, like she started to bulk up a little bit and I almost started freaking out. And then I'm like, wait, this happened to me. So there must be something to it. And I did some research and I found that research that shows that um, I think a girl has to be about 100 pounds before she gets her period, something along those lines. But that it's a natural hormonal response in her body that it's in preparation for puberty, that it's a normal thing for a girl, I think, to put on 20, 25 pounds, mm -hmm. something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So what was happening to me was normal, but then because of our culture, I feel like the focus on what I was eating propelled me into like a bad relationship with food where um i felt like you know i was like perpetually the one that like would be like teased like i'd walk down the street with a book and a bag of potato chips you know and those kind of jokes they're they're like they're cute but they're really not cute and um it just further alleviates you from like where your natural um inclination would be like maybe i really did want to stop eating that bag of chips or that bar of chocolate or the delicious food, whatever it might be. But when it's someone else telling you, you, you then are shutting off like your internal cues. Um, and I want to say that even before I met like intuitive eating as a, an approach, after I gave birth um, to one of my kids about six years ago, um, 
I really had just a lot of different issues postpartum, like my body felt broken. And I said, you know, I, I don't have the wherewithal to, to exercise the way I should. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know what, I'm just going to go walking down Ocean Parkway where I live for as long as I can without pushing myself. Like I'm just going to, whether it's five minutes or six minutes or seven minutes, when my body tells me to stop, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go home. And I'm not going to like let society tell me that I'm not doing anything. Um, and I started thinking, I just started thinking and realizing, you know, like I bought a bagel. Like, I feel like I need to finish the bagel because I bought it. I paid for it. Um, I should be finishing it. Right. We just finish what we eat. And then I said, but wait, like three quarters of the way through, I'm like, Oh, I don't really, I'm really not in the mood of the rest of it. And I started just like tuning into myself just a little bit. Um, and I also realized something else, which I think really is kind of a gateway was the gateway for me being ready to approach intuitive eating was I also realized that unless I came to accept my body as is, I will never lose weight. Now that was my original goal, right? My goal was body acceptance. So this way I can do a diet properly. Mm -hmm. And I kept this in my head, this thought of like, you need to work on just really being happy with the way you are. And then hopefully you'll get to a point where you could um, learn healthier eating habits and hopefully lose weight. Mm-hmm. And that was my initial, really my initial thoughts. So being armed with that, I really have avoided diets for many years. Like, thankfully, I'm so grateful that I don't have the diet baggage that most women of our generation have. Um, it's it, it, that 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 part of intuitive eating, like you know, rejecting diet mentality, is was easier for me. I was all too happy to find other people that actually agree with my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so how I actually found intuitive eating as an approach. Interrupt you for a sec. When you uh, were you just like a very confident person that you were able to say like you know, because a lot of people internalize like if dieting isn't working, then something's wrong with me, as opposed to like, this doesn't feel right in my body. Let me listen to my body and change. Like, are you just naturally confident or you were developing that confidence then? So I think, um, I just, I think I just was like, just feeling hopeless about the dieting. I was like, after each kid I had, I gained more weight. I also had gestational diabetes in some of my pregnancies. Um, and you know, it was like, I didn't like the baggage that came along with being overweight. I always felt like it was this heavy cloud that followed me around everywhere. Um, you know, there were people in my life who would say, oh, you're so pretty. You know, if you would just lose weight like so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I tied in my, mm-hmm. my whole like self-esteem was actually tied into like my body size. And if I would see someone that was heavier than me, I would feel so bad for that girl or that woman and think and say, Oh, I'm, I'm so grateful. Like I'm a thinner fat, you know? Um, and I just, just also on a practical level, this is also something that I've spoken a lot about on my page to about two years ago when I started like just verbalizing this is the, the shopping, the lack of shopping abilities. I love clothing. I love shopping. And it was always so upsetting to me that, you know, I gained five pounds or I gained whatever amount of weight, you know, after having kids and then there was nothing for me to buy. And, um, I think that. (laughs) All good. All good. Okay. Um, that, that is really like, I am still frustrated by that. I'm, I'm so happy that like our community has made progress, whether, you know, whether it's like the firm community making more firm clothing, and even the secular world, there's more clothing available. But that shame of having to wear dowdy clothing, you know, that's, that is not really designed for a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, doesn't make you feel pretty. You know, everyone wants to feel pretty regardless of their size. Right. Um, um, we have a baby here joining us. Give me one second. So on the topic of like clothes not fitting you and not clothing stores not accommodating people in larger bodies, I've been talking a lot about that on my page. And 
I don't know. I don't, I don't even consider myself in a larger body. Like maybe I am because I don't fit into any of the firm stores or even the non-firm stores. I don't like I'm an extra, extra large. This doesn't fit me. It's so tight. So that I always tell this to my clients, like maybe something's wrong with the stores. Like maybe it's not something wrong with us, you know, like, even though it's really, people don't like to hear that because they're like, no, that's not an answer. And I get it. It's like really frustrating. Like, why can't we just walk into the stores and buy the clothes that, that look good in our size? And I think that there is a shift going on. Like there's right. more size inclusive stores and I, I'm so happy to see. And yeah, I guess I feel, I feel both ways towards this. I feel like on the one hand, like feel your pain. It is really frustrating. On the other hand, it's like, let's do something about it. So the stores are, the stores are accommodating. I always tell women find a really, really good seamstress, you know, like it's expensive and it's annoying, but like, don't stay stuck and don't blame you and like hate yourself and not leave your house because you have nothing to wear, you know, like let's try to do our best to figure it out. Cause yeah, you should feel beautiful in your clothes. Right. Definitely. I think everyone, you know, deserves to feel beautiful. Um, and you know, if people follow me, they will see that periodically I will post, you know, just stores that I'm made aware of that do have more inclusive sizing um, because I just think that we do need that. And at this point, I have shifted so much that when I meet a person, like, I cannot even tell their size. I don't, you know, I'm, it, it's like, it's an, it's become a number to me. Um, and I just, because I just remember the shame of like trying in high school like I, I I remember this of like trying to zipper a skirt and like you can't you can barely get your thigh in mm. you know or like having to like walk around with a zipper half open I mean there's no there's no real there's no reason for it right. and I even like I've approached store owners and I said you know like in certain areas in Brooklyn and I said like this is a community where there are uh, many women having you know Baruch Hashem large families they're not size 10s any longer. Like, where are they shopping? Right. And the store owner would say to me, they're shopping here. I said, well, but I'm that size and I can't find anything to wear. Like, please bring in more things. They, you know, they have a couple of skirts, a couple of dresses, but not the same selection. Um, I ran a contest a couple of years ago um, for people to tag their favorite, um, their favorite stores, the fa favorite manufacturers, you know, to please model more, plus size women. Cause I think that that feeds into it. I think, um, even if there is something that does fit us, sometimes we don't want to wear it because we feel like we look like too fat because we're conditioned that we need to look like the model, the size four model that's wearing that dress. We're not going to look the same because we don't have the same body shape. Right. So for example, now, um, Nemo Maxi and Estes online and Drama, those are a couple of examples of stores that actually also they'll have two models showing off their clothing in a smaller size and in a larger size. And I think that that's just helpful to recognize, you know what, like I don't have to wear black. I'd rather be large and, and pretty and colorful clothing than be large and black and ugly. That's mm -hmm. just my, you know, my personal opinion. And I'm not going to shrink myself into wearing black only because it makes me look slim. Mm -hmm. um, that's just my, my feeling on it. I love that. I think that it's really inspiring. And I think that, that I'm so happy that like the community has people like you who are talking about this because no, you don't only have to wear black and you don't only have to make yourself look smaller because something's wrong with you if you're in a larger body. And yes, a lot of clients will say, but at the end of the day, I just want to lose weight. But there is this shift that I think that you're speaking about a lot and Sarah Kupfer speaking about a lot. Like, let's accept ourselves in this bigger size. Like, let's make this an acceptable, normal, beautiful size as opposed to, like, let's all shrink our bodies and meet the um, stick figure thin ideal that is impossible to get to. Right? Right. Yeah. So how did you hear about intuitive eating? So I'll be honest. If I would have heard the word intuitive eating, I probably would have ran the other way. I was not looking for any program or anything prescribed. What I wanted to do was work on my relationship with food um, and with my body. Um, I was on just briefly, I have to just say this because it's like, I think it's like just Hashgah Apprentice. Um, I had been following Shira Rose for oh, quite some time because of her fashion. 
And she was also very body positive. I just noticed that she was body positive and I like that. Um, and someone comment, made a comment, left off comment on one of her pages and I noticed her Instagram handle was Nourish Kite. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that's cool. That's a cool Instagram handle. Like as in Nourish Kite, yeah. everyone knows the Yiddish word of Nourish Kite, which means foolishness, but it was a play on words, Nourish and Kite. So I clicked on her Instagram handle and I looked through her profile and I looked, this person sounds interesting. Like I just, I'm going to follow her. And I saw in her title, it said eating psychology coach. And I'm like, I think that's probably what I need. I need someone to deal, help me deal with like the baggage of like getting through this like body image stuff. And I messaged her, she was on maternity leave and she said, okay, like I'll reach out to you when, when I'm ready to work again. And that was really what I needed the time to like, I, I'm not a like, okay, jump on the bandwagon in three seconds. Um, and I knew that, okay, she's gonna reach out to me. And I had no idea that she actually was using intuitive eating. I guess the certification titles may have changed over the years, um, but we work together. And her name is um, Sivy Pell. And she really was able to help me um, find a lot of validation and a lot of she gave me a lot of tips and tricks of how to become more in tune with my body in terms of my relationship with food um and one of the biggest things that i've told her and that i say is that like intuitive eating has just been liberating it's been liberating and has been so empowering um it's given me the gift of tapping into like self-care and that is because one of the principles is coping with your emotions without food. And that was a big thing for me to learn how to um, soothe myself or self-care for myself without food, which, you know, it can also be with food, but that was so, so empowering and liberating. Um, you know, I can go to a simcha and feel like, you know, I can choose the best option here for me. I don't have to feel like, oh, like it's only, you know, bagels and locks and you know noodles you know I'll, I'll figure out what's gonna work and and that's what I was I always feel like this is really a almost a Torahic approach mm -hmm. to food it's it's understanding that we have a body that we want to take care of but we want to be gentle and that also um, we want to be kind to ourselves in in all of the areas and that's what is astounding to me is that intuitive eating like it hits like it hits um, the mental health it hits you know socialization and physical health and the exercise component and it doesn't really exclude any sorry for the noise it doesn't really exclude any approach to health and that except for restriction <laughs> um which i think that's the gestational diabetes part but <laughs> i don't know if i'll have time for that Okay, so you worked with Tivi to help you understand the psychological components of your eating. And then what happened next? So over the course of the next um, couple of months that we worked together, um, pretty much she would address, you know, my questions and give me specific concrete steps um, to help me become more empowered on my own. Like, so for example, working on different self-care ideas for myself or something that, that I think is very challenging for many people, busy women, um, is like tuning into your hunger before you're starving. Mm -hmm. um, so like actually setting myself an alarm, um, like at two key points in the day, just not necessarily to eat, but to check in with myself and say, oh, am I ready for a, um, for a snack? And I called it an energetic snack. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily like my chocolate that I wanted to have, which I could have that too, but it was more like something that was going to give me a little bit of a prolonged energy, whether it was a fruit or, you know, a cheese stick or nuts, um, a kind bar. And for people, it could be different things. It was something that was going to kind of hold me till the next like proper meal. Mm -hmm. So that was really something that was like, not my thing. You know, I never had done that before. And, you know, exploring different types of movement you know not like moving away from like if it doesn't hurt it doesn't do anything yeah. um like we were i was so wired that like oh you need to burn a lot of calories and like it really needs to hurt and you must do the full hour in order for it to do anything 
I really like shifted from that to more of a balanced approach and saying, this is where I'm at now. I'm going to explore different types of movement. I really, really challenged myself. Um, you know, just for one example, I had tried yoga when I was expecting about like 13 years ago. And I was like, get me out of here. It was a prenatal yoga class. It was not my thing. Um, and then about two years ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to try it again. Different instructor, different, you know, totally different environment. And I was like, wow, this is like transformational for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it and really like helped me so much in terms of like tapping into like joyful movement and even gentle movement. And believe me, I was sweating when I was finished, even though it was gentle movement. Um, and it just taught me like, it doesn't have to be painful in order for it to be valuable. Right. Um, and that being said, you know, maybe someone is running a marathon and they need to train in a specific way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like what we're trying to do as for the average person. And I'm like trying to do it. It's, it's, it's not a weight loss tool for me anymore. It's more about feeling good um, and energetic and more flexible um, and stronger. So I think it just my values have just changed a lot and then really are still carrying me through. So um, I totally agree with that joyful movement because I remember when I started with intuitive eating, I also had that like narrative in my head, like if I don't sweat, if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't really count. And I remember when I started and I switched over to like, I'm going to exercise in a way that feels good. Like, first of all, I'm obsessed with spin. I love it. And I, I think it's, it's such fun energy, but some people hate it. And um, I hate- Never tried it. <laughs> you have to try it. It's like, and I, I even say like that it's like one of my like most spiritual times. Like I love like the music and it's so motivational and like everyone's so into it, at least where I go. And like, everyone's just like friendly and nice and the, the, the lights are off. You can really get into like a nice zone. Um, but like the, the kickboxing, like, it's just, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, I don't really like to feel like I'm going to die, you know? So like, I don't, I just don't do that class. Like, it's not fun for me at all. Like, um, so yeah, that's a really good point. Like, and I think that that just, it just really goes with the whole concept of intuition, like that with really strict dieting or really strict movement, there's this concept, like, don't listen to your body, keep pushing, like, right. you know, and then there's the, the intuitive side of it is like listen to your body see what feels good like movement is supposed to be enjoyable and I also love what you said about the yoga 13 years ago versus now like don't don't write anything off like you could try things in a different setting indoor outdoor with people without people different instructor different time of your life you know so really good things to okay so then what happened to you that you needed to uh, really explore the gentle nutrition so you know, I have um, a couple of friends that like were kind of doing intuitive eating alongside of me. Um, I'd also at some point discovered Green Riser at some point, and she had a support group, um, which you are on and giving in your tidbits. And, you know, it's with some things that we were just trying to explore, you know, as you come to peace with food and you like, you relax your defenses a little bit, you know, it's easier than to hear that. Um, a salad is going to provide you with more nutrients or more vitamins than a glass of water, like just point blank, right? Water mm -hmm. hydrates us, but it doesn't necessarily have vitamins in it, you know, unless you're drinking some special kind of water. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just using that as a neutral example. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like I got to a point of acceptance that I was ready to hear that food does play a certain role in providing us nutritional value. And um, especially, you know, everyone has a different medical background. Um, and I'm not going to go into necessarily other areas where I felt like nutrition would ha play a role, but I'll sp be specific more about the gestational diabetes, because I think that many women are being diagnosed with that currently, and the numbers just keep on rising. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is just the way they're diagnosing it. Um, but I've had it before in other pregnancies, but I even see like a real shift in the medical world, the way they're handling it, even if you, know, even if you have the same diagnostic criteria. Um, and at this point, I was 
hoping that I would be able to like hold on to the intuitive eating piece and be able to manage my gestational diabetes like together. Um, so yeah, it was going to be like a big challenge for me. So what happened when you, when you, when you were diagnosed and I guess it, pro it probably threw you for a loop because you wanted to use gentle nutrition, but not be restrictive. Right. Yeah. So it was very, um, I would say it was a lot, a lot of inner work, a lot of mind work to switch my focus a little bit and to not necessarily demonize carbohydrates because they're bad, but to under, but to look at it with the lens of what kinds of foods are going to keep my blood sugar stable. So weight loss was off the table. And Baruch Hashem, I think that many health professionals don't attack a woman when they're pregnant for gaining weight. I mean, I know that there are doctors that do, but I think from my hearing about other friends, usually they don't mind if you gain weight. So this wasn't about gaining or losing weight. It was about like my blood sugar levels, yeah. which had to be maintained within certain parameters. Um, so it was, you know, it was eating to keep my blood sugar balanced. It was exercising to keep my blood sugar balanced. So I also want to say here, like I worked really hard to try to find a dietitian that specialized in diabetes. It was really hard, especially being that I really know a lot of the way that we're supposed to eat, quote unquote. I've done this before. Um, I was looking for new information. And I just want to put it out there that sometimes there's not just one answer. Like um, I believe, and I believe it's also in sync with intuitive eating to you know, use medicine, like traditional Western medicine, as in oral medication, if somebody needs, or insulin, if someone needs, along with the exercise, along with like nutritional counseling, along with alternative medicine. And honestly, I used all of the above right. um, in my journey. Mm -hmm. So um, the food piece is that that's like was one piece. And I, I feel like in general, um, that Intuitive eating is like an acetove approach. It's as opposed to restricting, it's more about adding. What can I add that's going to help me? Right. So, you know, for example, um, when it comes to, you know, a particular meal, right? You know, um, I've had in the past dietitians tell me like, if you had, you know, a certain amount of carbohydrates, so then now start adding in protein or start adding in fat. Mm -hmm. Now. I, I've already discovered that like no person can tell me exactly what is going to make my blood sugar rise. Right. Um, the challenge is, is that you don't really have the same amount of time to play around with, you know, in, in regular life, if you're doing intuitive eating and you're just trying to experiment with different foods and see how you feel after you eat them um, or just the quantities as, as it feels in your body if you don't have a particular health issue, so then you have the time to play around. But with gestational diabetes, you need to submit your blood sugar numbers to your doctor at your next appointment, which is whether two weeks later, right. and it's pressurizing. Like, you know, it's like a test. It right. kind of feels like a test. Right. And besides for the doctor looking at it, you want to make sure you're healthy. It's not just like the doctor being like the judge and yelling at you for not following the quote unquote diet. It's also like, you want to make sure like you're healthy and the baby's healthy. Right. So with that being said, it's, you know, it's kind of very controversial, like the whole diabetes numbers and pregnancy. Um, a lot of it has to do with the way medicine has evolved um, with malpractice insurance. Um, with everything. With everything, you know, and, you know, each person has to do their due research um, to figure out like what's that balance, you know, of getting good medical care and really having a doctor that supports you. Um, I'm also very fortunate to have a wonderful endocrinologist that helped me have perspective with my gestational diabetes. Um, and honestly, I had to switch gynecology, OBGYNs in the middle of my pregnancy. So sometimes that happens that you do need to find a better like OBGYN that's going to be supportive of your knowledge, your choices, like, because fear mongering just, just doesn't work. So your, um, your original OBGYN was doing that was like fear mongering. So some of the, some of the 
professionals in the practice were. Um, they said to me, oh, well, maybe you already damaged your baby. Um, and I was like, I didn't even know I was pregnant. Like, I mean, like, you know, like Hashem is in charge, you know, and not that she was uh, necessarily a God-fearing person or religious person or Jewish and has my belief system, but like, you don't say that to a pregnant woman. I do the best I can. Um, and that's not helpful. Right. It's not helpful. And even with gestational diabetes, many doctors will tell you, and they will tell you, it's not one meal that you have that's going to like, oh my gosh, like throw your health out the window. Right. It's important to keep in perspective. Um, but I will say that like, whereas I came to like a certain um, like plateau equilibrium with my intuitive eating, I had to kind of reinvent it all over again and apply it with gestational diabetes all over again in a different way. Um, so for example, um, I would go for walks after my meals because that is shown to help lower blood sugar. Um, you know, it was, it was hard. I, I will say it was not an easy place to be, to feel like, oh, it's freezing cold outside. I really don't want to be going for a walk. Um, but then again, I just had supper and this is going to help me immediately with my blood sugar and also in the long term. So I, I really tried to like keep that perspective and not like begin to, oh my gosh, hate exercising or mm-hmm. hate, you know, hate the walk. I tried, I, you know, I did some videos online at some point. Um, my kids would do it with me. Um, I really kept on trying to bring it like full circle. I'm doing this. This is a short term. This is for the health of my baby. This is for my health. And I felt like intuitive eating actually like prepped me for being able to sustain making changes to my lifestyle in order to sustain a healthy pregnancy. So that was a motivation. Like the other way around, like in my other pregnancies, like I felt like this is not fair. Like, why do I need to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting. And, and over here, like it was still really hard, especially my numbers were a little bit more elevated than the other pregnancies with each subsequent pregnancy, it can get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have dabbled into alternative medicine, which there are things out there that can help low blood sugar. So people should do their research if that's something. And that is in line with intuitive eating. You're not, you're not necessarily restricting. Um, I also found making my own choices, my own food choices really helped. Um, I don't know if people are aware, but when you have gestational diabetes, typically you need to test your blood sugar four times a day. You need to test it in the morning, fasting, and one one or two hours after each meal, depending on your doctor's preference. And every doctor will give you their guidelines, which are pretty standard. But again, you know, do that on research. I don't want to say like what my doctor said to me, but A, first of all, advocate for yourself. Um, I found when I told my doctor that like, if my numbers get too low, I'm not going to feel good. She was willing to like, give me a higher threshold, which was helpful. So I feel like we have to advocate for ourselves. Um, you know, if a doctor says, oh, well, you gained a little bit too much weight, like just ignore it. Like, just let it go over your head that that the weight is separate from the blood sugar. So I feel like you really need to do your independent research, um, whether it's by re- you know researching articles, talking to your pharmacist, talking to other people that have had gestational diabetes. I believe like knowledge is power, um, and there actually is research out there, like from the 1970s, I believe, um, that talks about a specific vitamin that can actually reverse gestational diabetes. Now I don't know that it works for everyone, but it's worth it to Google it. Um, look it up. It's actually a vitamin that's also used for anti-nausea. So it's it, what B6. Have you heard that? Yeah. No, I didn't know about gestational diabetes, but for nausea, yeah. Yeah. So there, there are actually two studies um, that were done. It was a small scale study. So you can't necessarily extrapolate that to like every woman with gestational diabetes, right. but it's not harmful. You know, you could obviously ask your doctor if it's okay if you try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a specific form of uh, B6. It's B6 P5P. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to say the whole, uh, long thing, but it's a, it's a, it's a form that's easily absorbed by your body. And if you want to watch the video, just Google it. It'll come up and it'll explain to you like the science behind, um, the insulin resistance that happens in pregnancy. 
Um, and I just find, I personally like understanding like what's going on in my body. When I understand what's happening, it makes me more amenable to like making changes that will be helpful and safe for me. Right. Um, you know, and that to me was, you know, empowering to like do my research and work with different people um, over the course of, of my pregnancy. Um, one thing I, I want to say is that I got like some funny cravings also. Um, I started like craving like cereal milk. Uh, <laughs> things, what? Cereal milk? Okay. Cereal milk. Like it would be sitting there like on the table from the kids breakfast and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I need those Rice Krispies. I, I have to have them with them. Like, like I need two bowls of it, but I, I had it once or twice. And then like I checked my blood sugar an hour later and it was really a lot higher. Yeah. than what it was supposed to be right and i said it's just not worth it mm -hmm. um but i kept i for a while i kept on craving it and then after i gave birth i'm like oh wait i can go have that rice krispies and i was like wait but i'm not in the mood of rice krispies like what like why, why was i craving that and i again i think it's the restriction binging a phenomena that happens like you can't have it so you want it mm -hmm. um so that's how i tried to like reframe foods for myself during pregnancy is this particular food is going to raise my blood sugar and therefore I am going to choose to eat something else instead. Um, for me, like having rice was not a great choice. So I realized like, why do I need to have rice with my chicken? I can skip the rice and then I can have like chocolate chip cookies for dessert, which I will enjoy a lot much more than the rice and my blood sugar will be fine. So once you take control for yourself of like, playing around and I did play around. I played around and I checked my blood sugar and then I saw like, does this work? Does ice cream work? Like what's a better choice, a Danish or an ice cream mm -hmm. or this ice cream versus that ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, so, and letting go of like, oh, this is good for you or this is bad for you. In general, it just opens up other possibilities to find what works for you, know, for you personally. So I want to say a few things. First of all, I love that you switch doctors and I want to encourage people. I always encourage people to find the doctor that works for them. If a doctor shaming- I switched more than, by the way, I switched more than once. I just want to put that out there because the next doctor that I went to um, was going to switch up like my medication routine, um, like even worse. And I spoke to my endocrinologist and my Rev, I want to say, um, and they were like, what you're doing is working pretty well might not be perfect like run away that is like that's what my rough told me and my endocrinologist who is a tzaddik like a very very you know <laughs> special special person and really good in this field were like no don't do that so again having people advocate for you and reassure you that you're not crazy is also very important yeah um that's a really important point like i like i always want to keep my like practice like not bashing other professionals you know not bashing like whatever and I don't bash the medical community or doctors at all I think they're misinformed about weight but um but I will say that that's a really important point that we need to advocate for ourselves and we need to have people to advocate for us like I know I worked in the medical field for many years in a nursing home and um the residents who had family to advocate for them or had people coming in often like you, you get better care. Like you need people to advocate for you. You need to know, you need to do some research. Yeah. Like you do need to know, like you do need to be able to say to the doctor, like, is it okay if I try this? Like I did some research. Um, yeah. Like it's a collaborative thing. Our health is really collaborative. So good for you for switching doctors. And I think it's important for people to know that listen to your intuition, you know, ask, ask people, but also use your intuition. And I think that you, really touched on the delicate balance between um, dancing, like that dance of like using gentle nutrition with intuitive eating because gentle nutrition is a form of self-care and nutrition is a powerful self-care tool. Obviously it's a health tool, but when we use it in a way that makes us feel deprived and makes us feel anxious and makes us 
feel obsessed with food, that's obviously not healthy. So yes, there is a delicate balance. And I even it's even interesting to say about the race versus the cookies, because we know that cookies are not just pure carbs. They have fat and they have, um, you know, sometimes they have protein, depending on what milk you use or whatever. And anything, any carb that is mixed with any other food group like protein or fat or even fiber or all, all four of them mixed is really the best to help control sugar, your glucose levels. Um, but it's so interesting that people would obviously say, no, I'm sure rice is better than a cookie, but this is all individualized and everybody's body will respond differently to different foods. And that's really important. And like, it's not easy to think like, what am I going to eat? How is it going to affect me? But it, you did like that hard work. Like that's where people get confused with intuitive eating. They're like, oh, just eat whatever you want. I'm like, I never said that. I never said that. There's so much. Nutrition is a really important part, but it's, you have to really know like the intention. Right. And I also, I want to like put out there, there's um, a great book um, that Sibby recommended to me like a long time ago. It's called um, what you love, eat, love what you eat. eat What You Love, Love What You Eat with Diabetes um, by, I think it's Michelle May, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um, so it's a great, great resource. Um, I think they're even coming out with like an updated version soon, or maybe they did already. And I had started reading it a while ago and I picked it up again and I read it again, especially like the exercise component. Um, and something that she said in there was so powerful to me, and I wanna share that, was that she said, for every minute of exercise that a person does, mild to moderate, which can be like walking, at a slow pace, mm -hmm. a person can lower their blood sugar um, for at, like one point for every minute. I think it was like up to maybe 30 or 40 minutes. I don't remember exactly. And to me, that was empowering because that meant if I was like in my seventh month and like trudging around the block in a freezing cold night, just for seven minutes, slowly, I was doing something powerful and something good for my body. Even if I walked around my dining room table, if I walked up the stairs, you know, two or three times, I invested in like in my health and in my pregnancy health. Um, so it's just, it was good information. I felt like it was just great information. Um, yeah, that's where I think the, the black and white thinking, we get rid of the black and white thinking, right? Like, and I tell this to my clients all the time, like in the why intuitive eating is so first of all, empowering, and second of all, so realistic, is because it's not a black and white. Like, you don't have to change. You don't have, uprooting your whole way of eating or your whole way of exercising or lack of exercising is likely not going to work and lead you to feel deprived and feel like your body's in shock, you know? So, like, if you're like, I'm going to walk around the block for five minutes, like, you're doing your body a really important service. And also, you could put weight loss on the back burner and still focus on healthy behaviors. That's where I think people get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and for me, like after I gave birth, I, was, I kept on thinking towards the end of my pregnancy happens to be that my numbers actually got better. Um, I ended up working for a little bit of time with like a holistic health coach who has like deeper knowledge about specific foods and how they impact our body. And the only way I was able to work with her was with my intuitive eating like background and like knowing I'm doing this for a specific reason, because again, like different health professionals have certain ideas about certain food groups. And I kind of like used it for my benefit, you know, um, as opposed to like becoming restrictive. Um, but you know, and Baruch Hashem, like my numbers really were pretty great. Like the last month of my pregnancy, um, and I kept, the, I started thinking like, what's it going to be like once I give birth? Like, I was kind of nervous. Like, am I going to binge? Like on all the things I couldn't have, or I was kind of modifying what I was having, or was I going to be phobic? Like I was going to be afraid of like that cereal milk that I landed up just avoiding or that rice that I felt like wasn't worth it. Like, and I wasn't sure. I kept on thinking like, what's this going to be like after I give birth? And, um, and I don't have like the gestational diabetes like hanging over my head. So what happened? Um, so I will say that, and I think we spoke about this a little bit at a different conversation, how like I noticed right away that my hunger and fullness cues were 
very, very, um, very off. Like after I gave birth, between a lack of sleep um, and having another little person to take care of, like, and I just didn't even know, was I hungry? Was I full? Do I stop eating? I kind of like was bumbling around, not knowing where I was. Um, and my appetite came back full for full force and like with vigor, <laughs> especially nursing. I have a great appetite. Um, I was eating probably double what I was eating when I was pregnant. And I was like, okay, like I'm nervous. Like what's going to be, what's going to be. Um, and I actually, I'm still periodically checking my blood sugar as per my endocrinologist, because you do need to make sure that your numbers go back to, um, to normal as what they were before. Um, so it, it's a, it is really a recalibration of sorts. Um, and I'm just like trying to be kind to myself and realize that it is okay. Probably, and I realized I probably will be binging a little bit or eating a lot of certain things that I was limiting myself during mm -hmm. pregnancy because I didn't have them. Um, and yeah, uh, when I go and I want to buy, you know, chocolate bars, I might buy several of my favorite varieties. Um, and again, going back to like the principle of giving yourself full permission to eat, I believe that like I will recalibrate to a point where I'm not having too much of, you know, of one particular type of food. Um, so I keep, like, I feel like I, I, I definitely see a difference um, between the way I'm eating in the last, let's say two, three weeks, as opposed to how I was eating six, seven weeks ago. I feel like six, seven weeks ago, I definitely was more into like, oh, wow, like, I can have this now. Like, so like, let me enjoy myself or like, no, I didn't have this. I may as well eat it. And then, and then also the fear factor. Oh my goodness. Like, should I really have a wrap for lunch? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's 33 carbs. That's like two carb servings. That's really two and a half. And like, this would have like, might have thrown my sugar over the edge and, you know, while I was pregnant and trusting myself, it's okay, you know having a cup of orange juice, like little by little, like giving myself just to say, you know, guess what? I had the orange juice. I was okay. Nothing happened. Um, and realizing, and I don't need to, I don't need to go run and have like orange juice every day for breakfast, lunch, and supper, just because I didn't have it for six months. Right. So it's re it's, it's just like being mindful and, um, it's work. It is, it's not, the work isn't over. I don't feel like it's over. I feel like it's just an evolving journey. And as I learn more about nutrition and learn more about like how I personally, you know, react to restriction, it's like, you know, step by step. Um, and also something that I learned from Rena initially was one of the things about how sleep affects your hunger and fullness cues, how when you're really, really tired, you may not necessarily know that you're hungry or full. So I'm also trying to work on that even with a new baby and it's really hard to get like adequate sleep mm -hmm. um, to realize that, that that may throw off my, my hunger and fullness cues. And, and, you know, I'm just riding with it. I'm right. riding with it. I'm not, I'm not running with it. That's what I mean. I'm not like, oh my gosh, like let's let go completely and forget about like all the things that I've learned um, I think for me now, the self-care is being kind to myself, um, figuring out what movements are healthy for me at this point in the postpartum body, um, and, and not running back to restrict, like, you know, just because, you know, I had two, two chocolate bars in a given day, like, okay, that's fine. Like, it's a fact. It happened. It's not, it's not bad. It's not good. Just figure out, like, why. Mm-hmm. I love that word recal recalibrate. I think it's good for people to hear that. I think with any big life event, our eating will be affected. And the better off, the better or the longer we've been using intuitive eating, the, uh, the more like self-compassion and kindness we can use when we are recalibrating. Like there's no perfect way to do intuitive eating. And I'll say just on a personal note, like I remember after my mom passed away and it was very sudden and it was right after my baby was literally before my baby was born I remember saying to my husband like every Tuesday night Barry Licious had um 
buy one, get one free ice cream. And I'd be like, you have to get me. Like, and one time he didn't bring me whatever he, his fault. he's a great guy. And I was like crying. Like I was so sad. And I remember thinking like, I don't really get sad about ice cream, but like I was definitely using ice cream to cope, but I also had that knowledge and it wasn't, I wasn't like new to intuitive eating. I was like, yeah, right now I need some help coping. Like I need some external help coping. And that's like super normal. If it was a few years ago, I would have been like, would have been doing it and feeling guilty or would have been doing it and saying, Oh, but this is wrong. I shouldn't do this. And of course using food to cope with our emotions is okay sometimes, you know, and getting, learning to recalibrate, learning to figure out this works for me. This doesn't, why did I eat two chocolate bars? Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Right. Right. And just because, you know, it says on a certain, you know, particular serving size of a particular item, whether it's a Danish, like, it's okay to say like to stop and then I'll say, you know, I'm going to save this for later. That was, that was actually something um, that I actually actively worked on with Civi was, you know, realizing, yeah, I really would love to like, you know, finish this particular item now because it's fresh and it's hot and it's delicious. And yeah, if you're going to save it for later, it's just not going to taste the same. But then again, realizing, you know what, it's true. Like validating that, like, you don't really have the taste buds for it anymore. You know, it doesn't taste good anymore. And, you know, maybe you're like, you know, it's just not going to feel good in your, you know, in your body when, when, if you wind up finishing it um, and realizing that, guess what? Another opportunity will come knocking. Um, I, I don't know. I'm sure you've heard of the concept of paspasalo, um, you know, bread in your basket. And for me, that's a concept that I really uh, feel applies with intuitive eating, knowing that you can have. So, when knowing that you can have something or knowing that you have like your basket is full, then you could actually be satisfied. Um, and that is a concept that, you know, for me, it started out with like having lots of chocolate and cookies in my closet, knowing it's there and that I don't have to run out to the grocery to go buy it actually helped me calmer, be calm around food. Mm -hmm. Um, and at a certain point, I moved to, you know what? I don't need it in my house. I know I can go right around the corner to the grocery or to whatever, to Rite Aid to go stock up on my, my things that I enjoy. You know, the, the, I can have the basket a little bit further away. I don't need to go buy everything. And guess what? Sometimes when I go to the bakery and I'm like looking at what am I, what am I in the mood of eating? And I'm not sure. So I'll buy two things. Yeah. So you know, guess what? It costed me an extra three or $4 because I didn't know what I was going to want. It doesn't mean that I need to finish it. It's okay if I stick it in the freezer or if I give it to one of the kids or it's fine. But, but the knowledge of knowing that I can allows me to actually make a choice of whether I really want to. Right. So um, you've given us like so much insight into the actual process of intuitive eating. I'm, I'm really excited for listeners to hear this, that I think people think it is black and white. You're either diet or you're doing intuitive eating, right? But knowing that there's like this continuous process of learning about yourself, learning about your body, accepting what is and learning to go with it is like really, I think it's going to be really powerful for people to hear. So tell us where we can find you if we want to learn more about you. Uh, okay. So I'm on Instagram on sh as Shimmer and Glam Shop. Um, where else you could find me at the local bakery? <laughs> I know you 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 bake sour bread. Do you sell it to the bakery? I don't I don't sell sour sour bread. I actually um, have learned how to bake sour bread about two years ago, mm -hmm. um, just because like I wanted to learn the process and I wanted to work on my patience. Um, so I definitely worked on that. Um, incidentally, it was actually a great thing for gestational diabetes. Happens to me, it really came into my life at a good time um, because there are certain nutritional benefits to sourdough bread for people that are diabetic mm -hmm. actually. So I started like making that for Shabbos and realizing how much better I felt on Shabbos when I had sourdough bread. Um, so it was, and I enjoy it. So it was just like a fun thing. It didn't mean that I didn't have like other bread ever, but it just was, you know, learning about um, something new and it's actually a really fun process. <laughs> Actually, I just got all the material. I have the Dutch oven. I have the mason jar. You'll send me a recipe. Um, and I'm going to link all your information in the show notes. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great. My pleasure. Anytime. 
Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you all for joining me again on another episode of Get Into It with Gila, where we explore all different ways to use intuitive eating, health at every size, and other modalities of treatment to help somebody heal their relationship with food and heal their relationship with themselves. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, go to my website, www.gulaglassberg.com, where you can see other podcasts like this, YouTube videos, and blog posts. And if you want to work with me, you can schedule a 20-minute clarity call to get to know me and see if I'm a good fit. I really look forward to meeting you. Have a great day.